Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now, here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to the show. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, just like the man said, and this episode is brought to you by Philip Kilcrease, Jerry Chacon, Kurt Walton, Jeff Murdoch, Roy Zemlika, Dominique DeMille, Matt Warden, John Coview, Cynthia Landon, Paco Jean, Roger Hicks, Jeff Cornelius, Christopher Ney, and Story Club Games. Those are our backers on Patreon. Well, not all of them, but that's a group of them, and we certainly appreciate their support. Now, let's go talk to our guest. Oftentimes when I have a guest on the show... They have just started their Kickstarter campaign, like we had with uh, one of our guests just recently. They have just ended their Kickstarter campaign, like I had with Gary Ray, who thought it was one of the worst experiences of his life, that Kickstarter campaign. He never wants to do one again. But not very often do I have somebody on the show who's done their Kickstarter and now gone through the entire fulfillment process, and they're at the very end of that process where the product is being delivered. And in this case, it's taken a, um, a bit of time because sometimes that's how long, long it takes. It's been a year, and so... I've invited Chris Castagnetto onto the show to talk about his Kickstarter experience because he launched it a year ago, and now the product is uh, arriving in the hands of backers and on the market. Chris, thanks for joining me on the show. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. So, Chris, um, let's talk a little bit about your campaign that ran a year ago in June of last year. Uh, excuse me. Actually, it was July. It started on June 30th and ran through July 31st. Is that right? Definitely, yes. June 30th to July 31st of 2013. It was a, I think you've told me, an airship adventure game in the, in the theme or genre of steampunk, a steampunk airship adventure game. Yeah, definitely. It's a steampunk airship adventure game where the players are actually creating their own custom airships, um, competing in little competitions, and then have a resource management side to it as well because you're going to use those airships, gather resources, and then sell those resources and optimize those resources to gain the most points. So it's a resource uh, management steampunk themed adventure game. Got it. And this is a game. Definitely. How long? Did, how long have you worked on this game? Wow, that's a good question. Probably about two years in development. Well, probably about a year and a half to two years in development, somewhere in there, uh, from its initial conception through hundreds of different playtests across the country. I uh, have different anime conventions and board game conventions and local gaming events. And, um, yeah, it's come a long way. You mentioned um, anime conventions. Is, is, is there a market for this type of game at an anime convention? In, in my opinion, yes. Uh, I've been in the anime gaming industry since 2006, and it's, it's a really big, booming market. I mean, 13 to 24, males and females, primarily female, which is really you know, interesting, especially in the gaming, um, I guess you could say, space. Um, but the cool thing about anime shows and that, that, that user base is not only do they like dressing up like their favorite characters at these conventions and sharing their fandom, but they also like experiencing their fandom with each other. So at many of these conventions, they have game rooms uh, where people can gather together and play games, make new friends, and have a fun experience with people that share the same uh, likes and dislikes of them. Got it. So in your case, that was one of the places that you took to show off your project, but your Kickstarter campaign, you decided you did not run your Kickstarter campaign, did you? No, I didn't. I actually uh, went through Game Salute. So was there a point where you're like, okay, i got to make a decision. Do I, do I publish this myself on Kickstarter or do I go find a publisher and have them do it? Did you ever reach that point where you were actually thinking of doing it yourself on Kickstarter? I was thinking about it for a little bit, but at, at the end of the day, it just for me, it just didn't make sense. I mean, I have a nine-to-five-day job. Um, and with between the job and life and game design, 
I, I didn't have the amount of time that I would need to make sure that that Kickstarter campaign went well and was successful. So um, basically, I, I partnered with Gaia Online, uh, you know, the company I was working with at the time, um, to take the game, create the assets, and then pitch it to a company like Aimsolus, uh, who we ended up moving forward with to actually manage the whole process from start to finish uh, on Kickstarter, as well as all the post-Kickstarter you know, processing, fulfillment, game distribution, and so forth. Okay, so that makes sense, that you saw what it was going to take, and then you were like, look, I, I'm going to turn this over to somebody who has experience and skill to make this happen. Yes, exactly. Okay, so, all right, well, let's talk about that process then. Um, so did you pitch your game to Game Salute? How did they find it? So so basically, yes, um, I, was, I pitched the game to Game Salute. <clears throat> uh, I met them at the convention. Actually, I actually had a friend that um, works there that I've known from a previous life. And, uh, you know, I approached them saying, hey, you know, here's the game, here's the brand, you know, did a whole sales pitch just like, um, you know, you talked about before uh, with the, you know, one sheet and assets and creative um, reference material. And we, you know, did the pitch. They liked the idea. I sent them a print-and-play version of the playtest version. Uh, they playtested it. They loved the game. And then they decided to move forward from there. When you say the print and play, how did you have the print and play? So for those people who don't understand, a print and play concept is is that you take a copy of your game, you make it into digital files. In your case, it was a card game. You make it into digital files. You make those digital files available for free, downloadable somewhere, and then people can print it out on their own at home, cut it up, and play the game, right? Um, yes and no. So yes, that's what a print and play is, but uh, I actually didn't do that myself. What, what I do is um, I created a print-and-play version, but I only share that uh, with my, my, my friends and my core groups of different playtesters uh, across the U.S. that playtest my games. Um, I, I personally don't do the print-and-play, um, but that's just a personal choice. But I did a, a similar process for the different playtesting groups so that they can get the game, print up that, that playtest version of it, play the game, and then give me um, actionable feedback. Yeah, and in case anybody who's listening is wondering, that, that sounds crazy that you would make a, a copy available basically for free. Um, this is actually a policy, a process that a lot of particularly card game companies use to get their game out there. Most notably, Cards Against Humanity, that still to this day, you can go and download a free copy of the game off the Internet if you'd like instead of going and buying it uh, for the full retail price. You can go print yourself up a free copy, and 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 that's kind of a an interesting concept in the whole game space, isn't it? It's definitely an interesting concept. I mean, I'm I'm not too sure if I'm. I mean, it's perfect for social media outreach for getting the word out there. Um, but when it comes to the final product, I mean, there's definitely you have to make sure it's very distinctly different from the print and play version. Otherwise, there's no uh, added incentive to purchase the final product. Yeah, uh, although Cards Against Humanity, there's no artwork. It's just black and white. Um, the, people people still just – because it does take a lot of work to print something out and cut it up and you know paper dolls type thing. But Okay, so in your case, you make the pitch to Game Salute. You send them the print-and-play copy. They say, yeah, we like this. Well, what's next? What happens to somebody – so this is for those people who maybe are in the similar situation that you are. So what do they do next? Well, so GameSolute has two different versions, right? They either take your game and they publish it for you, they do work on the game with you, uh, or they just take your finished game and then uh, help manage the Kickstarter. What we ended up doing is we worked with them as one of their GameSolute partners, uh, as one of the partner games. <clears throat> so they actually work with us hand-in-hand -hand through the creative side of the game. So 
Um, me, myself, was a designer, and then with a guy online, we actually took the final game assets and the final game, and then gave that to Game Fluid work with their professional set of graphic designers to do the graphic design of the card layout. You know, take the assets of all the characters from Gaia and the world of Gaia, take the card text from the game itself, and then put it together in that card layout. And then after they did that, they then managed the creation and implementation of all the marketing material, the whole Kickstarter campaign, the video, uh, and pretty much everything from sending emails out to different reviewers for feedback and reviews <clears throat> to the actual grunt work of creating the campaign, launching the campaign, and doing that day-to-day. And then me, um, being the designer... I just, I'm there for the approval process to help answer any questions that they have and to help make sure that it goes very smoothly. And it was a very smooth process. Uh, we didn't really have any issues or, or any problems at all um, with game fully while we were going through this, the whole game design process. Okay, and so you're, you keep talking about something, and I'm not sure we've touched on it. In your case, uh, this wasn't a game that you just designed out of nowhere. Um, you actually built a game around some intellectual property that already existed out there. Because you had an in, this was actually a company you worked for at the time. Uh, you keep referring to Gia. Um, Gaia, yeah. Gaia, Gaia sorry. Online. Gaia Online. No, it's fine. And so, it's uh, one of the world's largest forums. It's an online community of uh, anime fans and gamer enthusiasts. And Gaia has its own storyline and a lot of mini-games. And we actually took one of the most popular mini-games, which is Punch of Skies, put the art, the theme, the concept, and then I, I created uh, the card game based off of that theme and that concept. And then with Gaia, we pitched it to Game Food saying, here's the amazing art and the assets. Here's the user base. And then here's the game design. And then together, we work with Game Food to make that a reality. And that's slightly different than a lot of people who maybe come up with their own concept and their own pitch. Was there, a, was, exactly. there was there difficulty or wrinkles using somebody else's intellectual property to make that happen that made this a little different? Um. In my experience, no, um, because I was still working at Kaya. I worked with my boss hand-in-hand hand, um, to make sure that everything lined up, you know, working with the creative team, some of the artists, to make sure that these are the characters that they wanted to have in the card game. There was a little bit of pushback here and there, you know, with some of the characters. Like, oh, I don't want that character. I want that character. Because, uh, you know, there's an intellectual property. They do want to maintain the integrity of certain characters that, you know, they, these two characters have never met, so they cannot be in the same game, you know, stuff like that. But other than a couple of small minor things like that, it was a very smooth process. Okay. That was uh, painful, whatever that was. Did you hear that? No. All right. That was uh, a sharp um, sound. (laughs) Aliens are injecting their code into the... Uh, We can record that again. Nope. Nope. I can. It was right when you ended. Okay. So... Now, you, this, you started, when did you start this process with GameSalute? Because the project ran a year ago. It's been a year to get the game out. But, but you, when did you enter into relationships or negotiations with GameSalute? We probably started back in maybe, well, we signed the contract around March, give or take, which gave us about three months to get all the assets to GameSalute, which only took like a couple of days. And then GameSalute to take those assets and create the final uh, card layout and then have us review it and approve it in order to get everything ready for the Kickstarter. But besides that three-month window between signing the contract and the launch of the Kickstarter, I would say it was probably, let's see, March. We met up probably around somewhere in the convention season, so sometime that summer before. So I would say August through December, somewhere in that time frame. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, so many conventions out there. But uh, 
yeah, we definitely started the, con- the conversation then, and then finally contract in March, and it began the case Carter at the end of June. All right, so that's a, a good six to eight month process from uh, first conversation. Eight months, nine months, and then and it all depends too. I mean, it depends on the company. It does, um, but one of the things to take away from this, if if somebody's listening who's got similar uh, project, is that you can't do this in a hurry. Exactly, you definitely need to take your time. Make sure you have all your ducks in a row. Um, definitely want to have all your assets ready to go so you don't have to say, hey, let me go talk to my artist and get back to you in a month because then that delays on you. Um, you definitely want to make sure all your creative is ready to go. Um, your game is in a state that is solid. There's no broken issues, broken cards. Um, you know, play test the heck out of your game. Uh, I love having different groups play test it. For me, conventions is a great opportunity. Um, not only are you spreading the word about your project, but you're also getting people that you normally would not interact with on a daily basis to be able to play test the game or maybe even blind play test where you don't tell them anything. You hand them the rules, hit record on your video camera or on your iPhone and see how they react to their game. So definitely testing it all, making sure it's a solid project, a solid game, so that when you do the pitch, there's no issues um, on the publisher side with, hey, this card's broken and it breaks half the game. Sure. <laughs> you, know, you definitely don't want that to have an experience. Did you find, was there any, so the campaign ran for, ran for 30 days, ended July 31st. The, the, we are now uh, in June of 2014. That was in 2013. Uh, over this past year now, was your, were you involved at all, or did, did GameSalute just have the whole thing, and then you just kind of have been waiting? It was kind of a combination. Um, GameSalute was in charge. You know, they were running everything, so they finished the creation of the game, purchasing of the game, production of the game, shipping of the game, so on and so forth. Um, I was still involved as you know, regular monthly check-ins, making sure everything is going smoothly, seeing if there's any issues or hiccups, um, answering any questions. Uh, we didn't really have many complaints. We had a couple people on the Gaia forums saying, hey, where's my game? I want it now. But at the end of the day, from launch, from the end of the campaign to the actual launch of the game um, and retail stores, it was about 10 months. So it just came out on June 3rd, I believe. Um, and it was only delayed by about a month. If you probably about thirty, well, I guess thirty-five days or so, uh, and that delay is pretty normal from my experience. Okay, yeah, and I, I keep arguing there's no such thing as a delay. Um, <laughs> there really isn't. It's just it came out when it came out. Um, it's exactly. Kickstarter projects, delivery Kickstarter projects are like wizards, as Gandalf would say. They're never late. They arrive precisely when they mean to. Exactly, and and you know from the end of the Kickstarter campaign to having it on your tabletop in ten months is pretty 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 great right nowadays. It, it is. And for you, it's been kind of exciting. Uh, as you got ready to put this thing on Kickstarter, did you, I mean, who picked the funding goal or the, uh, were you involved with the pledge levels or the funding goal or the, the time frame or any of that? Or was this something that, that uh, GameSalute, with their experience, were, were able to kind of help you guys with? Yeah, GameSalute handled all that for us. It was really great. We made a very straightforward uh, messaging with our campaigns. There's only three levels, uh, U.S., Canada in EU and in the rest of the world, <clears throat> and that way there's no confusion with shipping. Um, very straightforward stretch goals. Uh, every thousand dollars, we release three new cards, up until the eight thousand dollar mark, where we released ten new cards. So we really wanted to make sure we hit that eight thousand mark, and then we ended up hitting just shy of ten thousand, so about nine nine thousand and change. So it was really really straightforward. Um, GameSlut definitely knew what they were doing when it comes to that. And you haven't had to deal with anything on the production side as well, right? So the 
Correct. Did, were you involved at all in the proofing of the uh, of the cards or the sheets or anything? Yes, uh, we definitely was involved with regards to the, the proofs. We received the proofs, took a look at them, sent them back any feedback, you know. There should be two two this card or one extra that card or whatever. And then um, that was a really straightforward process. You know, maybe it took a day or two if even. But it was very, very streamlined, very professional. No problems at all with that. Chris, we certainly appreciate you taking the time to, to come on the show and share with us a little bit of uh, the process that you've used to go from the past year of bringing the game to market and then the six to nine months before that. Um, certainly appreciate that. Uh, one other question, though. Um, you've had this experience. Are you coming out with another game? Do you have something else in the works? Yes, uh, definitely. I actually partnered up with Victory Point Games just a, a few months ago, and we're releasing a family-focused card game called Who Stole the Cookie? And that's going to be coming out in just a couple weeks here at the beginning of July. So we're really excited to be launching that at Comic-Con. Really, really great family game. You know, that's interesting because, th- because this one, uh, this one you, this is a very different path. And we might have to have you back on the show in another time just to talk about this. But this was a very different path because in this one, you showed this F mm-hmm. off at one of the protospiel um, developers conferences where you actually brought the game, showed it off, and a publisher was there and said, I like that. I will license that. I will take that now. Exactly. Exactly. I was really blessed with that opportunity. Yeah, and that was here. In, that was here in San Jose. Both you and I are in San Jose, and that was an opportunity to to have you take. So this is a very different approach. And they're not using Kickstarter to bring this game out, are they? Correct. They're not. They're just going straight to market. It's a family game. It's about eighteen cards. Very small print run um, for the first launch, and we'll see how it goes. We're really excited about that, and definitely a different approach from what I did with GameSleuth. So two ends of the spectrum there. Two ends of the spectrum. Well, thank you very much for sharing, Chris. Definitely. Thank you for having me on the show. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Chris Castanego. Chris is uh, the creator of Frontier Skies, a game you can find in your local retail shop right now. And he'll soon be coming out with his next one in a few weeks that's not going to be on Kickstarter, but you'll be able to find that from Victory Point Games. Hopefully you've heard something inspiring. It's been very informative of the process that it takes to get your project from concept to publisher to Kickstarter to retailer. And it's been very informative, and I appreciate Chris taking the time. And don't forget to visit patreon.com slash Richard Bliss to go and pledge for the podcast to keep it going and show your support. Thanks for listening. Take care.